As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. The day after Christmas... Athletic NBA Show podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Dufour. That's Mo Keel. He's live from an undisclosed <laughs> tropical we could tell, location. We can tell them I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, Mo Mo is uh, in Hawaii for the holidays. Uh, I'm I'm you know at home, so uh, everybody's good. Mo, how how was your Christmas Day festivities? I, I'm assuming it, everybody had a good time. Great. It was great. It was a lot of fun. We had a wonderful Christmas Eve dinner with the fam. And then uh, one thing about Hawaii Day, because it's two hours behind even everybody else. So the Christmas Day game started for me at 7 a.m. So it took me a minute to really kind of wake up to start watching basketball. But ultimately, it was pretty great. How was yours? Uh, mine was great. Um, you know, uh, on the West coast. So the game started at 9am. That's exactly, to me, that's exactly the way it ought to be. I, I think Pacific time zone as we have chronicled here, it's the best for sports. So, um, you know, beautiful Christmas day full of games. Speaking of we should talk a little bit about them. Um, we're just going to run down sort of what happened. I mean, there's a lot of storylines actually for Christmas day, um, this year, Bucks and Knicks sort of playing a back-to-back, Mo. Do you think that had anything to do with how good the Knicks looked? I'm actually glad you brought that up, Dave, because it's something we didn't even mention in our rundown. That bothered me. The Christmas Day games should not be the second of the uh, back-to-back, the the little Major League Baseball games that they've been doing, which I like, but that shouldn't be the case for Christmas Day games. I think that needs to be... I would actually prefer when it's teams meeting for the first time even. But I think that's, you know, maybe more difficult with some of these inner uh, conference teams. But I just didn't like that the the Knicks and Bucks played, you know, Friday and then now and then played again on Christmas Day. I just didn't really like that as much. I felt that was a bit of a problem. But it definitely helped the Knicks because it's hard to beat a team two times in a row. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jalen Brunson was pretty insane in this game. Uh, he had 38 points on Christmas Day. I mean, right? Like, this is like the the brightest of bright lights. 38 points. Just carved up 
the the Bucks perimeter defense and and Mo, we've been harping on this for a while. And one of the things I want to make sure we don't do is come across like the sky is falling. The Bucks are really good. Really, really good. I mean, this loss aside, I mean, they've really righted the ship from the the shaky start that they had. And I, I wouldn't even say they were shaky because they were still winning games. Chris Middleton has looked good for a while now. But they still have this issue. Perimeter defense and transition defense. It's still a problem for them. Yeah, it's a massive concern for them. I think in the first half of this game, the Knicks had 15 fast break points. You know, and I think it wasn't just Brunson. I mean, R.J. Barrett was killing them. I think their inability to contain drives is a problem. And I think the during the regular or the start of training camp and everything, everybody's like, don't worry about their defense. They have the honest and Lopez. It'll be fine. But those guys can't handle just constant barrage of drive after drive after drive. And I think that leads to the issues there for them defensively. It is a playoff problem more than a regular season problem because, as you said, they're winning games. Like, they're they're right there in the West. I mean, excuse me, in the East, record-wise and things like that. But that's an issue that will need to be addressed at some point because playoffs, you're not playing the Charlottes. You're not playing the Atlanta. Well, they might end up playing Atlanta, depending on the playoff shakeout. <laughs> yeah, we'll but you, you're, not, you're not playing, you know, some of these teams where you can get away with that. You know, you're going to try to go to the finals. You're going to end up having to have to guard Tyrese Maxey. You're going to have to figure out how to guard Jalen Brunson, which they showed last night. They couldn't. And you're going to have to figure out how to guard Boston's guys. And I think there's a lot of issues with that and a lot of concern with that stuff. It's sometimes the record can be a little bit of a fool's gold sort of scenario, thinking everything's fine. Look at the record. They're winning games. They're killing everybody. And their offense is exceptional. But it's it's the other end of the court you got to be a bit concerned about. Yeah, and and again, it's not. It's just it's transition and perimeter, which I know is like all right. These are two of the most important aspects of defense. But I think that there's a chance they've got personnel like already on the roster that can solve this problem. And, and you know, Mal- Malik Beasley, I as the season goes on, his shooting has been great for them. But they they may not need that. They may need to just upgrade that position and add another good defender. But I don't the, I don't agree with you on the, the really they have it on the roster. I mean. Pat Connaughton really kind of moving you there on well, his I mean, ability to defend guys. I mean, Beasley's been okay, but he couldn't guard Brunson. He no, got torched. I mean, and then, then you have, I mean, now you have other, uh, you know, I know Crowder is out, but like, let's just be honest. When was the last time Crowder was guarding quick guards? Like, that's really something you got to be concerned about. And those are issues there for them. And I think, you know, I don't know if the, the answer is on the roster already. I mean, Andrew, Andre Jackson is getting playing time, and, and you know, you got to hope maybe that's there, but it's also a rookie. Like, there's a lot of stuff I'd be concerned about. Yeah. Um, with the Knicks, man, you know, Mitchell Robinson is going to miss the rest of the season, and they're very lucky to have Isaiah Hartenstein anyway. I mean, he's a, he's a high-quality backup, but he was really good in this game and, and really – I think he just did a great job on the glass fighting with Brooke Lopez. I mean, this is, um, I, I, you think that they can get through and be as good as, I mean, they're not going to be as good as they could have been with Mitchell Robinson, but do you feel like they could get through, get to the playoffs, win a playoff series with, with Hartenstein? I think they can. I mean, it, listen, a part of it all comes down to who you match up with in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I think the Knicks team is, is pretty built. I mean, I, we saw them last year win a playoff round. Granted it was with Robinson, but they kind of won it pretty easily. And I don't feel like, you know, as there is a drop off between Robinson and Hartenstein, but I don't think it's so massive that you say, okay, this cost them a playoff 
series. I think, you, you know, I think there are different things that those two guys provide. I think Hartenstein's passing is actually a very underrated skill in that regard. And, and I think that's stuff that they can use a little bit more. But ultimately, I think they would be fine. Yeah, if they can get another big guy, sure. Great. You know, and they have the assets. I just think that we also know with the Knicks, they're kind of like just trying to keep the powder dry. Right. I mean, well, it's Hodge Gibson's back, though. He was pretty good. <laughs> I was shocked. I was good. I was making fun of it. And, and, and shout out to a former SC guy. But like he was pretty good, man. He did a pretty good job on you. Fresh legs, a couple, a couple of strips. And I, can they say they're fresh legs when they're that old? I mean, he hasn't played, right? Like he's just been sitting around. Yeah, on the couch but they're old legs. Out. They're old legs. They they, <laughs> they run yeah, out quicker. Fresh. Um, should we? T- let's talk about Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr spending all season working on podcast takes. He's stealing all of my takes, Mo. First, he complains about the club music in NBA arenas, and now he's complaining about the officiating and the fact you can't play defense. Now, Mo, tell me. How much of this is because the Warriors lost and their defense stunk in this game? I mean, yeah, Jokic gets 18 free throws. That stinks. And and we know that the NBA doesn't allow defense to be played. But Steve Kerr complaining about it at this point. I mean, after all these years of Steph Curry not getting calls, other guys getting calls against them because, you know, they do have a tendency to foul a lot. This is the game that pushes him over the edge. Yeah, I mean, some of it has to do with them stinking. I mean, look, Jokic getting 18 free throws when he averages 6.3 a game is is a bit surprising. Um, but I, I think some of that might have to do with Jokic not getting the calls. And I think that might be more of a, a, a case there in that regard. But yeah, I mean, Kerr's frustrated with the team and the roster and, and the way the uh, season has gone so far. I mean, it's been frustrating time you got to deal with draymond all the damn time i imagine you know well they're not dealing with draymond right now i'm sure he's that's actually i'm sure he's getting text (laughs) messages from draymond uh and and all of those things but i think you know you you and seth are the ones that are annoyed with the move the music takes and things like that you know (laughs) i'm not annoyed with the take i'm annoyed with the music itself that's what i'm saying i see what steve kerr's doing here this is it this is he's quiet quitting Mo, he's preparing for a career in podcasting for next season, I think. He's just he's, like, he's hey. seeing how good Bob Myers has it, and he's jealous he didn't go that's first. That's it. Like, yeah. I think that's he doesn't case. want to deal with this Draymond stuff anymore. He's I, over it. He doesn't want to deal with having to play Jonathan Kuminga more. Yeah, I think the, the bigger issues for this team, though, is I think defensively they got to get back to kind of their principles and whatnot. And I think the other thing with that is they just – they need a fine offense. I, I thought Kaminga was pretty good in this game for the most part. They didn't play Moody much, but you know what? They got a pretty good Andrew Wiggins game. I mean, he took over a little bit in the fourth quarter or tried to take over a bit in the fourth quarter. Thought they got a good Clay Thompson game. But also at the end of the day, you're playing the defending champs. Denver's really good, folks. Like, it's not a surprise. Yeah, I mean, look, man, we, we talked about Jokic. It was kind of, it was not a great Jokic game, by the way, but the the fact that the Nuggets can withstand a, a not great Jokic game against a, a, a Steph Curry led Warriors team tells you a lot. Um, Jamal Murray down the stretch was insane. This was well, playoff performance, Jamal Murray. Before we get to that, because I do want to yeah. get on that, I just we got to talk about the start that Michael Porter Jr. had to this game because he set the tone early. Well, it helps that Clay Thompson was just falls asleep. 
it, guarding Clay, off the ball. Clay defensively was a lot of issues, but even with that, he set the tone early, was cutting, was moving well off the ball, getting clean looks, had a uh, probably one of the ugliest behind-the-back passes to an assist to, <laughs> yes. uh, KCP. to KCP on um, the wing. You know, but still, like, all that stuff. And then more importantly, he was defending. I mean, he blocked Clay at least two or three times. Like, I thought he was all over the place defensively. I thought he did a great job in this game kind of setting the tone early. And I think that really put a lot of pressure on the Warriors defensively, and it took a little bit of pressure off of the other Nuggets guys, and that allowed Murray to conserve his energy to take over when he had to in the fourth quarter. You know, and it's here's the thing. It's a continuation of a season-long thing for him. I mean, he's having a great year. He started out extremely well. I mean, one of the things we talked about was Michael Porter Jr. turning into this two-way player and, and the difference that it makes for them. But, I mean, he's also, I mean, he's, what is he, 16 points a game, uh, almost eight rebounds, uh, a half a steal, half a block, but shooting about almost 50-40 uh, and 75 from the free throw line. I mean, the guy is just having, like, a complete season for them. I mean, he's been there, I, I, I'd say, uh, definitely offensively third best player. Yeah, but, and that's what they need. They've needed him to step up. But now... Let's get to what I was we gonna really say, want to talk to about. To be able to play off guys like Jokic and and a guy like Murray that can do what he did yesterday or yesterday, and in particular, by the way, it's not lost on me that he's doing this against Steph Curry. Yep. And, yeah, and no. it, it was almost – I'm not going to say this is a passing of the torch because Steph Curry is still better than Jamal Murray, I think. Uh, but this was a – a high leverage game and Jamal Murray shows up in these in a way that not a lot of players do. And, and he just took this thing over down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, look, he had just jumper after jumper. It looked like it was going to be a shootout for a minute. And then he kind of just went through it. And then he had probably the play that was kind of the dagger for me coming off of a double screen. First it's a switch and he gets Curry on him and Curry tries to come and beat him over the top of the second screen. And Murray just goes behind his back right into a three. And I mean, that was the dagger play. I mean, he was just, he was in killer mode. And I think that's great on a night where Jokic did struggle shooting wise, you know, he was four for 12 from the field and whatnot. I think, you know, the free throws allowed him to get all those points. But I think the, the, the Warriors besides the fouls did a pretty good job on Jokic. And I think, you know, Murray just kind of stepping in and, and, showing you like hey man i can still do this stuff it's pretty impressive this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an nba game and more head over to michelobultra.com courtside to learn more looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are the Nuggets still the favorites? To win the yeah. title for you, okay. yeah. Why? Why would they be any like? What are we? I mean, we. Yes, move on. Next okay. question. It, it, it's <laughs> one of these things because you. I mean, you know where I'm coming from. Like we, we just at this point, their old hat. 
which is funny to say because it's not like they've won multiple titles in a row, but they are a little bit old hat. Like I'm very comfortable with where they're at. The Warriors, on the other hand, every time we write them off, they have a game like like the game against the Celtics last week, right? It's, where they just pull one out and it's like, okay, well, they still have Steph Curry. And, and when things are going right, it's like, oh, look, Moses Moody. Moses, Moses Moody plays three minutes in this game. I mean, are, are the Warriors really good enough to not play Moses Moody? I, I just don't understand. Well, uh, if they get the game they got from Wiggins, which I thought was a pretty good Wiggins game, yes, they're good enough where they can say, hey, we don't necessarily need uh, Moses Moody to kind of step in. And then you also got to talk about um, uh, Podiz- Podizemski. Pajemski, yeah. Pajemski, excuse me. He yeah. was really good for them as well and has provided a good boost for them. But when you just go look at Wiggins coming off the bench, giving you 22 points, like that's a pretty strong number for them. You know, and that's the the scoring that they need to a degree. And I think that's an important view of those things. And I think, you know, yes, I think if they're getting that game from Wiggins, then yes, they can kind of survive without Moody. I still feel like they, they've got a trade to make. I mean, we've been we've been kicking around fake warriors trades for a few days now, but uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to swing anything big or not. Definitely not before Draymond comes back in, in a few weeks. Um, This team, I don't know. They just, they should be better. And and a lot of this rests on Wiggins. Obviously clay was struggling a little bit there for a while. He seems to have at least turned it around yesterday's game, notwithstanding, but turned it around a little bit. So maybe they'll flip it around. Um, uh, let's get to the Celtics and Lakers. This is uh this was actually kind of a good game. I mean, it, it was it, a fun game. No, it was a fun game, man. The Lakers came. Look, the Celtics blew the doors off in the first yeah. quarter where I thought like, oh, this is going to be an ugly one. And then they'll give the Lakers a ton of credit. They came roaring back. And, you know, I forget what the lead was. at halftime, It was a one it, point, point game, game at halftime. Yeah, they were down as much as 18 in the first quarter. Like, give the Lakers credit for being able to handle the barrage from the Celtics to start the game. And I think they kind of they made it a tough game. And the guy you got to talk about for the Lakers was Anthony Davis. He was phenomenal for them the whole game. And to the point where he had no other help and he looked gassed. Yeah, I mean, look, his defense has has kept them in game sometimes when their offense is stalled out. Uh, every game. Think, That's every game. Uh, yeah. You've just described every game of the Lakers so far. this year. And, and th- this was a huge example of that, right? Like on, on the brightest stage. The Lakers, it's funny to say this uh, about this team every single year, but the Lakers might be the team that's most fixable with the trade. Because it's obvious the thing that they need is just where do they get it from, Mo? Because this is what they're doing right now. I mean, they're... The losing sort of, uh, it's not a streak, but the the losses are starting to mount since the in-season tournament championship. The run that they've been on here the last few weeks has is, is not been good. And at some point, they're going to have to tweak this offense a little bit. And, and I think it's a personnel tweak. It's a, it's a personnel tweak of somebody they have to go get. Whoever That's what it I may mean. Be. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, uh, uh, it's not sitting there on the bench, you know, and I think it's hard when you start games. I understand why they benched D'Angelo Russell and 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 start with a more defensive backcourt, but you don't have a lot of offense in that group, you know, and I think that's a lot of pressure there. So you have to get a whole lot more stops than I think even that group can get. And I think that's difficult and that's a tough ask 
for a lot of those guys. And I think that's a problem. And I think, you know, they, they need to figure a way to get those guys offensively. And it'll be interesting to see who they end up kind of getting and, and poking their, you know, uh, the, the most important thing to me though, Dave, is they can't go get somebody like Zach Levine and sacrifice their defense. The defense is what makes this team special is what's going to set them apart, but they need somebody to lift their offense from like the low twenties to like 15. It's kind of the flip of what we talk about with like, if you have this great offense, you just need an average defense. Well, if you have a great defense, you need an average offense. They don't even have that. They're well below average. And also, I mean, the trickiest part is the fit with LeBron offensively. You need a guard who can go back and forth between on the ball and off the ball on any given night, depending on what LeBron needs and, and, and also can play and run the offense when LeBron has to sit. I mean, this is this is the other like there's just too many LeBron and AD well, minutes. They need another guy and, and they just don't have it. And I'm with you. I don't think Levine is the right answer because of the defense. You don't want to lose that. Like Drew Holiday would have been a great piece for them. It right? would have been they would have been great. But you know what? Yeah. He played on the other team. That was That's pretty right. awesome. <laughs> we should probably talk a little bit about the Celtics. I, I mean, yeah, really we good. should get there. They weren't great. Also, man, we got to. Kristaps Porzingis has been a game changer. For the Celtics and his post-up game has improved so much in the last, like even two seasons has improved so much. There was a post-up and I I can't remember the timestamp on it. I pulled the clip, but he was just incredibly patient. He turns around in the post and realizes he's got, you know, a four it, was against, it was against Rui. It was against Rui Hachimura. It was Just put a bank shot up, and it was just easy. But he's done. He's been doing it. The, the way the Celtics are getting to that is actually pretty interesting. Um, and we got to give Joe Mazzula credit. Like as much I kill the Celtics offense, I think more than anybody else uh, in the uh, industry. Um, he ran a play. It was in the third or fourth quarter. It was a double stagger for uh, Jason Tatum. Tatum comes off. They get the switch, and Porzingis gets now has uh, Cam Reddish, I think, in the post. And they just swing the ball around and then enter it into the post, and Porzingis has deep to post position against Reddish. It's a bucket or a foul, like, each time. So they're doing some clever stuff in how to get him those post-ups, and I think that's a real important aspect of the Celtics' offense. Yeah, but again, though, two years ago, that was a fadeaway. And this year it was, I mean, he didn't even jump. It was a Bill Lambier set shot off the glass from six feet away. It was, it was fantastic. It was that to me, that's going in my Porzingis highlights when I'm getting ready for the playoffs. This is like a different player now, but the Boston Celtics are general, good. The Celtics the are Celtics, good. I was going to say Celtics are good. Um, that's a team that looks like, again, I, I can, I can quibble about their late game offensive execution. Right, that the fourth quarter that they had against the Warriors the other day, I I, I can one hundred percent go through and I can nitpick about their stuff. But when they stick to their principles, this is a team that probably doesn't doesn't need to have that many competitive, you know, last five minutes of the fourth quarters. Like they should be able to coast through most of these games. The offense is so potent when it's rolling, especially with Porzingis, and the defense. I think the the you know, the ceiling of that is best defense in the league. Yeah, I for sure. And I think they're they're right up there. I think it gets interesting in terms of they have the top six. I think you probably need one more guy 
maybe one more ball handler, maybe uh, uh, to kind of help them out there a bit. And you got to listen, man, you got to hope Porzingis stays healthy all year. That's something that he kind of has a struggle with and something you got to keep an eye on. Um, for, for folks who are just listening to the audio and not uh, watching on YouTube, Mo is absolutely getting cooked for this podcast. Doing I have, the podcast I on the patio. Mo, just move into the shade. Move into the shade. We're good. We've, <laughs> you can't, you can't yeah, just getting a sunburn <laughs> for the sake of the podcast. For you guys. Uh, for the people, yeah. Dave. A man of the people. This is how we drive viewers to, to the YouTube. Is uh, If you want to see Mo get a sunburn in, in real time, go and do that. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply all right quick break and now we're back we had a little set change for mo uh sixers man sixers heat this was a little bit of a bummer um a rivalry game because of the whole jimmy butler philadelphia situation and and the way he left there Embiid is a scratch on christmas eve he you know we get the news that he's not going to play christmas day we get the news jimmy butler's not going to play and Mo, like, you know, this is something that the NBA was trying to avoid this year. And I, you know, injuries rack up. Is is Embiid getting a little bit of an unfair rep for dodging big opponents on the road? I think so. I think he's done it before. I think, you know, uh, I have to, I didn't watch the Toronto game. The, the one before this where he played, I've heard he was kind of laboring or whatnot. And I've heard other people say he was fine or, or whatnot. I don't know. But if he has an ankle injury, you got to be careful, right? And if you're the yeah. Sixers, that's your ticket. That's how you're going to win a championship is with him or at least get out of the second round. And I think that's the important thing. I think people are uh, being a little bit harsh on Embiid in that sense. I understand it. I understand the optics of it and how it looks and things like that. But the dude's putting up crazy numbers and everybody's all mad, like do it against somebody that matters. Well, like he doesn't control the schedule. That's really something he can't handle. And then when they played Minnesota, he beat the brakes off those guys. And I think that's, that's right. I think that's something that we don't really kind of give him. We don't want to give him credit. And it's, it's what we do, Dave, right? You have to do it in the playoffs, which is fair. That's but right. Like we, we, that's really the thing now. It's he's hit the uh, pat the head, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> it's true, you know. And I think although it's a bit unfair because he's having a great regular season, has improved his passing and everything. I will say this: the bum hunting thing is funny, but also he plays. You know, he gets to play Detroit and Charlotte all the time, and the Wizards. Like that's not his fault. You know, he's in Philadelphia, you know, we'd be killing them if he was struggling. He's doing what he's supposed to against these guys. Yeah. Like me. All right. So 
let's talk about this game a little bit. Mo, if you were doing a redraft, <laughs> I don't know if you do those. Uh, if you were doing a redraft of this year's draft, where would Jaime Jaquez go for you? Well, one, he went to dumb school, so I probably wouldn't draft him <laughs> just off of that. Uh, uh, listen, he's not going to Miami, that's for sure. No, he's going much This guy's good. This was, all these teams that passed on him, it's it's pretty surprising. But it's, you know, again, this is one of those guys, four-year player, you know, very mature. It's a perfect landing spot for him being Miami. But, like, this is a guy that can just flat-out play. And even looking at, hey, looking at you, Portland, like, this is a guy you could have had that would have been a – good piece for you in the future with this squad. Like, I'm sorry, like with the group you have, like he's great toughness for you guys could probably fit right in with the team that you have and really help you along your rebuild. But that's a podcast for another day. And Portland fans can scream about it later. The kid can flat out play. He's tough. Let me mature. How about this? Here's a list of names, Mo. Okay. Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Patrick Ewing, Walt Bellamy. And Jaime Jaquez, the only rookies to have 30 points and 10 rebounds on Christmas Day. Dave, he showed everything in this game. Knocked down shots, had some mid-post stuff, some stuff in transition, was making some passes. Some of the shots didn't go in for, for a proper amount of assists and whatnot for him. And then the other thing, defensively, he was all over the place. Guarding Tobias Harris, switching on to Maxi, and really kind of, I thought he just showed everything he does in that one game. And this was a nice little coming out party for people. You know, if they watching this game on Christmas day, like on a national TV stage, he really stepped up every year. There are guys like Jaime Jaquez that, you know, he, he's not a one and done guy. A bad team can't take this guy, Mo. You can't have a really good, ready to go young player on, on a bad team. They've got to take a bad player and hope he gets to be this good one day. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, Bam Adebayo also was awesome in this game. Um, Mo, what's the stat line? No one's ever done before. I mean, it was it was he's joined his stat line of excuse me, twenty six points, fifteen rebounds, five assists, three blocks. Yeah, that stat line has only been done by two other players in the NBA: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Shaquille O'Neal on Christmas Day, I, I think was the yeah. caveat. I love but a like, good Christmas Day stat. I mean, but that's impressive. Like that's that's highly impressive stuff with no Jimmy Butler on a night like this. And I know, yeah, I know Embiid, all that stuff. We could do, you know, like that was a nice him stepping up. And I think yeah. that's a that's a strong level of of what he does. And I think defensively, just solid. I just again, man, like this Miami team is the team that just will never die. And I think everybody just better get used to it. And that's the case we're just going to have to deal with. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, let's move to to the the last game. Um, Mavericks Suns. Number one, if you're just getting here this season, the Mavericks are pretty good. They, I mean, they just, that team is really good. And they have a guy who can be the best player in any single game against any other team in Luka Doncic. And, and he was crazy in this game he had 50 on christmas um also 15 assists also four steals also three blocks uh this this was one of the most impressive performances of the year for me yeah i thought he was great you know and and the way look the it they built a big lead. The Suns came back on them in the third quarter. It was very easy to see the Mavs team let go of the rope, and instead they kind of pulled it together. And I think 
look, Luca having first off a, a fun center and Derek Lively, you know, as as a rookie, a fun lob threat for him all the time. I think Grant Williams was pretty good for them in, in terms of spacing the floor and helping with their defense and whatnot and adding a little more toughness to this team. I think across the board, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been great. I think everybody's kind of been awesome. But at the end of the day, it all ends. It all starts and ends with Luca. And he was just flat out amazing in this game. Yeah. Um, just every single time he wants to score, it just seems like he can. And there were times well, against where... the Suns defense. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yes. I, I, what I loved is that they were sending two to the ball and Luca would get the ball back and then still make the pass and get the assist. I mean, lively has, was really good. And I've seen, I've watched him over the course of the season get even better uh, when teams zone up after they send two at Luca, I don't know if you noticed this. Yeah. I mean, of course you have. Where he he's working the nail, looking to 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 get that pass to find the shooters, and I mean the Mavericks they're now eighteen and twelve. I mean this this team is is pretty good. I think that they're built to win in the playoffs too, Mo. I I, I love what I love what Lively is doing for them on the glass. I love what he's doing for them offensively. He was eight of nine in this game. I mean, this is the first time Luca's ever had a guy that he can just kind of toss the ball up and say, hey, go get it for me. Yeah, and I think this is a, a fun play for him. You could see him enjoying the way he's playing right now, and there's a lot of fun with it. The other thing with this Mavs team that we're not talking about also is they're doing this without Kyrie right now. When they get Kyrie, then they add another score another ball handler again to take more pressure off of Luca and things like that I think that goes a long way for them I think this is going to be a very interesting team you know I still think they need to work on their defense they still need to add some more size defensively I know Jason Kidd's kicking around starting Luca I uh Kyrie and Dante Exum I think that might be a bit too small you're gonna have some issues there defensively but I still think there's some stuff they can do it's a very interesting team to keep an eye on yeah I mean look they just like everybody, if they if they could get a three and D wing, like Dorian Finney-Smith would be perfect for this team. I mean, if they could just somehow get him back, uh, I think that it would go a long way for them. Um, the Suns, on the other hand, Mo, I mean, they've got some problems. Uh, health has not been their best friend this season. Bradley Beal has has barely played. We have yet to see Beal, Booker, and, and Kevin Durant. Oh, they played one. Uh, they played like twenty minutes together. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like we haven't game. seen this. Yeah, is it? Is this a bust? Is this it? Is this it? Is it over? I don't know. If they it's... have any shot of making this good. You know, I I don't know. I I don't want to say that it's December. There's still a lot of basketball season to come together. But I think you have to be concerned with the fact that Bradley Beal's not healthy. And this is a back injury that it seems like every time he gets out on the court, he 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 starts doing stuff, and then bam, his back locks up on him again. Like this is this is definitely concerning for them. And this was a, a obviously the third part of a trio that was going to help them kind of take that step forward. And then also last night, no Yusuf Nurkic. Like I think you have a lot of stuff there that you got to start kind of worrying about with this team. And this is why look when they made the trade and, and traded DeAndre Ayton, and we all know I'm not an Ayton fan. But when they made that trade, I told you right away, I've taken them off my contender list. I just, I think they have a lot of issues there. And I think they could have gotten more for eight and than what they did. And I think they could have been uh, better positioned than what they're at now. And I think now they're depending on guys that have injuries and good luck. 
You know, yeah, that's a tough I would one. even say this, Mo. I think Nurkic has been better there than I expected. I would well, I would say he's been better than I expected for them. And I still don't like the even going back, I don't like the eight and trade because I didn't think they got enough. I didn't think they got enough pieces, guys who were actually gonna play for them. I mean, Nasir Little, like sorry, like you there's a chance that you watch too much basketball if you thought that Nasir Little was going to play in Phoenix in a, a pivotal role that he couldn't get to in Portland somehow. You know what I mean? Like it's one of these things where it's too deep of a cut. There's a reason. Um, I, I just not I mean, only like, I think the Beal trade really sunk this team. I mean, it put them in a bad spot. In yeah. that, I mean, listen, it didn't cost them much. So like, that's the one thing we can talk about with them. But I think at the Except same, for he's got a no trade clause. Mom. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a, they're not trading Beal, Dave. Like that's just, let's just be right. yeah, yeah, they can't. Yeah. Stuff. And I, I think the I don't even, there's not suitors. He's just not healthy. Right. Nobody's going to jump at it. But I think the big issue for this team is they just don't have enough time to figure this out. You know, we talked about it on Nerder. Like how much, how many games do we need to see these guys fully healthy, all of them, to feel comfortable with them? And it's just we don't know what they're going to be, and and you know if they get Beal and you know towards the end of the season, they still don't know the rotations, they don't know the defense that works best for them, they don't know the the right lineups and and whatnot. It's a lot of work for Vogel to have to figure it out, and it's not enough time to do it. I mean, that's really the concern right now is is the clock's ticking on them just in the sense of every game passed where they're not fully healthy is a missed opportunity that they need to build the chemistry and everything that goes into it. This isn't a team that can just come in fu- fully healthy into the playoffs and be like, all right, we're ready to roll. They don't know each other. They don't know how to play with each other yet. And I think that's still a lot of problems. And we're even hearing rumblings from the team. Uh, that's what I was about to go to next. I mean, we're starting to hear that Kevin Durant, not necessarily happy, you know, with the way things have worked out, which of course not. I mean, I wouldn't be happy either, Mo, if, you know, and, and, that's without even pointing fingers at anyone. You know, injuries, having poor injury luck is bad luck. So you shouldn't be happy with it. But feels like some of this is predictable. You know, the, the cupboard was not exactly full. You don't have a whole lot of assets to go and complete a team. You, you know, you get this whole, the this huge Beal trade. It's, that's a lot. That's a lot resting on Bradley Beal. Yeah, and 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 somebody that's not known to be healthy. Like, let's just be honest. You know, he's he's missed a ton of time. You know, the past few seasons. So it's just a concern there for them. And you know, you can't go back and 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 fix those things and those issues. But right now, they just need to get healthy. I mean, like, there's there's a lot of frustration there. And I just don't know what this team is going to look like. You know, it, 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 when they get healthy, I don't even. I don't know if they have a trade move to make, but just if they can get healthy, I don't know if they, if they got that and what it's going to look like. Cause I still have my doubts when it's fully healthy. We're going to get some New York Knicks, Kevin Durant trade chatter. Is that, is that no. what we're destined for? I, we need it. We need something. Um, Mo, you ever, it, it, do you um, subscribe to the theory that the playoffs are set at Christmas day? No. Okay. And I think we've had we've had enough proof with that and I think the play in has changed things as well. Like we've I think the uh they are like I don't know what it was like this time last year but New Orleans was really high up. 
in the standings and whatnot. And then they tumbled and stuff. There's, there's still a lot more movement. I think it might've been the case back in the day, but I think now the league's more volatile in terms of the standings can change very quickly. I'd like to offer a prediction. Uh Oh, okay. I know where you're going. The Memphis Grizzlies are going to make the play in. And I think that they're going to win their play in game. I think that the Memphis Grizzlies are going to shock the world for the rest of the season. John Morant has something to prove. By the way, Western Conference Player of the Week, John Morant has something to prove. How do you feel I, about it? I mean, look, it's it's they're going to need help. We've talked about this before on podcasts and those things. And, you know, they had a nice three-game start. Okay, you know, let's let's see how it goes. I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon with you, Dave. I'm I'm happy that you want to make that prediction as early as uh, December. I, I'm, I'm, I'm as early as I can possibly be. Yeah, as I, early as I can be. You know, when you look at it right now, they're five games back of the Warriors for the tenth seed in the uh, playing tournament. You know, it's pretty. You know, I would have never have guessed Houston would be in the playing tournament right now, and sitting at eight as well. Um, Stranger things have happened. They definitely can make a run, but they got a lot of work to do because they're still 10 games below 500. And that's a big one there, Dave. Like that's, that's a <laughs> lot, you know, and, and that's a pretty big hurdle right there. So I, uh, good luck with that prediction, Dave. Well, once they just finish ripping off this 13 game winning streak that they're three games into, they'll be back at 500 mo. That's the prediction. I think that they're just going to go on a huge run. Uh, at least it would make good television. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, what do you say? Um, happy boxing day to all of our, you know, uh, friends that celebrate that, especially the ones up North in Canada for motor keel. I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been the athletic NBA show. Thanks for tuning in. Go and subscribe to YouTube. Leave us a five-star review over on iTunes. Everybody take care. Check out.